and welcome again to The Breeze with Beverage Digest. I'm your host, Dwayne Stanford. This is where we bring you into the kinds of industry conversations that we have every day at Beverage Digest. We dissect what's happening, connect the dots, and ask the most important question, what does this mean? John Sitcher joins us again today to pick up where we left off a few weeks ago on a discussion of pricing in the U.S. beverage market. Now, as our regular listeners know, John has covered the beverage industry for almost three decades, first as a former editor and publisher of Beverage Digest, and more recently as a consultant for companies including Coca-Cola and Body Armor. John also has served as an expert witness in beverage-related court cases. John, welcome to the program. Dwayne, very happy to be here again. Thank you for having me. So, so John, I'm suffering from a, a cold this week, so please excuse my rough voice today. But as they say, the show must go on, so that's what we're going to do. Um, so speaking of plowing ahead despite challenges, Coca-Cola reported earnings today that looked pretty solid. Net revenue was up 8% globally. Operating income grew. Margins were up slightly on an organic basis. North American organic revenue was up 6%, and organic operating income income was up about 10% in that market. The company also raised its earnings guidance for the company as a whole. So I asked John to come today and talk to me a little bit about what we're seeing in the market when it comes to pricing and the consumer. Of course, PepsiCo reported its earnings a couple of weeks ago, which we covered in detail uh, for industry folks in our newsletter uh, last week. And we're looking at Coca-Cola today just so we could see if we can glean how these companies are thinking about pricing, how they're thinking about the consumers. And uh, I wanted to get John's take today. So again, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Two numbers that we in Invest are paying a lot of attention to right now, John, are pricing growth and volume sales performance in the North American uh, market, which includes the U.S. and Canada. Um, Any thoughts so far on kind of what we're seeing out of Coke today and Pepsi a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I have concerns about the North American business. Uh, Coke's North American volume was flat. Uh, uh, Pepsi's was down, I think, about 6%. Um, I... You know, I, Dwayne, I was—I've been—I started a book recently uh, by a guy named Marty Barron, who was the uh, former editor of the Washington Post, mm-hmm. and he tell—he tells a story about when Jeff Bezos, uh, who was a founder of Amazon, decided to buy the Washington Post from the Graham family, and basically, what the Graham family decided was that they needed to sell the Washington Post because there's a line in the book that says. Profitable and shrinking is a short-term survival strategy, but ultimately leads to extinction. And I think that um, I think in the last 20 years in the North American market, CSD volume is down about 25 percent. Um, per caps are down even more than that. If you if you look at the uh, if you look at this business before COVID. Um, CSD volume was down. They were getting a couple of points of price, a very small amount of do- dollar growth. I, I, as we move into next year, 
I don't see why this industry should be any different than it was before COVID. The only thing that's intervened was COVID with all the economic and consumer factors we've, we've talked about. But I think this industry is going to move back to a time next year, Dwayne, where there's going to be slightly down volume, hard to get much more than a couple of points of pricing, maybe a few points of revenue growth. I, I don't see any way around that. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen, as you mentioned, price mix for this third quarter was about 5% for Coca-Cola. Uh, volume was flat. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's been very surprising is the the fact that with this double-digit pricing that we saw last year, uh, volume hasn't suffered more than it has. Um, you know, uh, typically people would expect, uh, you know, much more of an impact there. Um, I know you say you're concerned going forward, but what do you think about the fact that that, uh, that other shoe that we've expected to drop just really hasn't come yet? I think that COVID changed a lot and not just in 2020 and 2021. I think there were, there were the, the consumer basically shifted buying. Uh, there were shortages of things like cans, um, I think that, um, I mean, if you look at, for example, what happened to Apple, um, in, going into COVID, all of a sudden Apple's Mac sales took off. Now Mac shipments are down about 30 or 40%. Um, I think that, start, and I think the other factor is that the Wall Street economists talk about COVID money, which made a lot of consumers very flush is going to run out somewhere between the fourth quarter of this year and the first quarter. Um, I saw a piece on Bloomberg recently, Dwayne, that said Americans are now more overdoing their car loans and paying their car loans than any time in the last 30 years. So I think, uh, you know, I think that we've had a couple of years of exceptional pricing for some pretty unusual and exceptional reasons. I think that we're probably going to go back to what it looked like in 2019. I think we're starting that now. And I think probably as we get into the second quarter of 2024, um, the, the results are going to look very much like they did in 2019 and 2018. Fundamentally, nothing has changed except the intervening phenomenon of this terrible pandemic. But as we get beyond that, hopefully we are beyond that, I think a lot of buying patterns, not just for the soft drink business, are going to go back to where they were before COVID. And that includes pricing. It includes volume growth. Um, I, I, th I think it's probably inevitable. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, in conversations with the CFOs of Coca-Cola today and PepsiCo a couple of weeks ago, clearly they're expecting this pricing to moderate going forward. Uh, Coca-Cola, uh, again, talking to the CFO today, he said that uh, there won't be any pricing increases this year. Uh, they're looking at uh, 2024 to working with consume, with uh, customers and, uh, <clears throat> and bottlers to figure out what pricing might look like next year. But whatever happens, it's going to moderate from what we've seen for sure. And the question is, what sort of pain will that cause? Uh, and then at the same time, as you point out, consumers are, you know, they've got more debt. Uh, they're paying off student loans. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, wages. The power of wages are, are decreasing. Uh, so you've got all those pressures, and they seem to be 
prepared for something to come along in that regard too. Uh, all that said, I mean, isn't there a chance though that somehow the pricing mentality or the the uh, the consumers' understanding of the value of these products because of the last couple of years of work when it comes to pricing and and other uh, measures that they have somehow kind of reset their expectation of pricing and might that somehow carry forward and and almost reset the market in some way going forward? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I think that nothing fundamentally has changed uh, in these categories. Again, I think that um, consumer buying um, habits and preferences changed during COVID and lingered for a while. I think people were frightened during COVID. I think things like um, concerns about obesity from the sh- from sugar products, concerns about artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners, I'm sorry, in the diet products, that probably ebbed for a while. But I think we're, I, I think that we're, these are the same products. These are essentially, Dwayne, the same consumers as, as in 2019. Um, and I think some by sometime next year, the industry is going to look like it did in 2019. I struggle to find a reason why that would not be the case. You know, people are paying $9 for a 12-pack of, of soda now, uh, and they you know continue to pay it. I just feel like that's got to have reset their expectations to some degree, the fact that they've, for this amount of time, have paid these higher prices, and we just haven't seen the volume declines that we would have expected. And, you know, you've got some bottlers uh, who say, look, we spent a couple of decades way underpricing these products for the value that they bring consumers, and we were afraid to raise pricing. And we, uh, our hand was forced now, and we got more emboldened by it, and we took price that we should have taken uh, years ago, and we should continue that to to think of that the pricing around these products is is uh, being stronger than perhaps we once did, and feel more confident about that. Do you put any stock in that argument at all? Look, I think that look, I look. My concern is that pricing is going to be forced down, but even if the pricing at current levels, if 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 the industry is able to make the pricing at current levels stick. It's going to be very hard to increase pricing year after year in any significant degree. So the best scenario, Dwayne, would be pricing sticks where it is now so that some of these packages are expensive as the one you just cited and that they can get a point or two or three of pricing growth in the future. Remember, Back in 2019, looking at full-year IRI retail data, um, CSD pricing was up about uh, um, 4.2 percent, and LRB pricing was up about 2.8 percent. Volume was down on CSD, so you ended up with dollars being up about two and a half percent. Again, I struggle to figure out. I struggle to come up with a reason why. By the second second quarter of 2024, results should be much different than that. I don't think they can keep raising pricing uh, to any significant degree. I think maybe a couple of points, uh, but not much more than that. 
You know, one thing that was really interesting about the uh, the call with investors today that Coke held um, was this discussion around, okay, what exactly is, are causing the, uh, you know, where are the pricing gains and where are some of these market forces coming from right now? And one of the interesting, interesting things that uh, Coca-Cola CEO uh, James Quincy talked about was the fact that about half of Coke's business is represented, it, talking North America, half the business is represented through measured channels, uh, Nielsen, for instance, uh, and the other half, and that that's the uh, at-home market, so people go to the grocery, take the products home, and consume them, and, uh, and that's a, actually a little less than half is made up of those measured markets. The rest of it is made up of away from home, and one of the things that's happened is that the away from home is actually still still making progress post-COVID. Uh, there's still gains being seen there. So I sort of took away from that that that's uh, in large part kind of uh, propping up what's happening in the at-home market. So there may even be, uh, if you read between the lines, more pressure uh, than we we perhaps realize when we look at the full uh, results, you know, going back to what you said about the measured markets and the kind of declines we're seeing there. Um, I wonder then what we can expect going forward when it comes to these away from home markets. Uh, at what point will consumers start to get pressured there uh, versus now? You know, I think that, look, I, 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 we've always known that the, the IRI and Nielsen measured retail uh, data only picks up about half the business. But where I think its value is, is it really, it's a very good indicator of what the consumer is buying, how much the consumer is buying, um, changes in performance in categories, brands, and companies. Um, I think that the... Um, the food service channel was so badly hit by COVID uh, and traveling was so badly hit. I think the food, the food, I think the food service business is probably still not back where it's going to look like next year or the year after. But again, I, I, I just don't see a reason why this overall industry should perform in 2024, 2025 differently than it did either in your all-channel data, which picks up food service, or in the retail data um, for 2019. Again, the products haven't changed. Um, Coke is offering some new flavors for, for, uh, for, for brand Coke, but basically we have the same products being offered the same kind of marketing, the same kind of distribution. Um, what what changed was the consumer, and I think from the data that I see, the consumer is now shifting back to what the consumer was before COVID. And you know, there's an old saying, and that is "past is prologue to the future." Mm. Um, uh, and again, I think that it would be look, it would be. Fairly, it would take a fairly high level of optimism to think that as we move into 2024 and 2025, much is going to be different than it was in 2019. I mean, the bottlers were ecstatic about it, the kind of pricing they got. Uh, and they can talk about the, pro the, the products being undervalued. But remember something. I don't think the consumers thought the products were undervalued. The consumers... 
the per capita consumption of carbonated soft drinks in the U.S. in 2022, according to your data, was 35% less than it was in 2002. That means the average consumer, factoring in volume declines and population growth, the average consumer is drinking 35% less carbonated soft drinks than the average consumer was in, 2020, in, in 2002. That, to me, is a statement about the, the value that the consumers overall place on these products. And the products are terrific, but I think consumer sentiment began shifting away from some of these products, you know, around 2000, and uh, I, th I, I, I don't see any change in that. I do kind of wonder, though, if we're getting closer to some sort of equilibrium on that, because uh, the fact that uh, you haven't seen the kind of volume declines that we would expect with this level of pricing, and the consumers are you know, largely paying the kind of prices that they're paying now, uh, you, you have to believe that we've gotten to some point that's a little more about the consumers who are in these products uh, you know, use them, like them, whatever enough to, to continue to pay these pricing. So that is kind of potentially a, a reset of that versus, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and uh, I guess the key would be now, what does that look like a year or two from now? If, if you can sustain right. some kind of equilibrium there, then basically, okay, you can call it. It's, there's been a reset. Maybe people uh, are are you know less um have some you know some of the concerns about carbonated soft drinks uh have either abated to some degree or the consumers who were concerned about that have just gone on to other products um including other you know non-alcoholic beverage products uh i think the other thing that's really uh you know yet to be determined but it's going to be very important uh are you know efforts of these companies especially carbonated soft drink companies to recruit new consumers um that's going to be really important and i think you know there's a healthy debate about the extent to which these companies are effective or not at reaching these younger consumers um i'm probably a little more a little less pessimistic than maybe some other people are about that one one really interesting note on the call today was that coca-cola according to james quincy is now spending about 60 percent of its uh marketing and advertising on digital uh today whereas in 2019 that was about 30 percent so, um, so a lot more in the digital space, which of course is much harder to kind of see and to uh, consume. Is you know people analyzing the industry, it's kind of tough sometimes to kind of see the breadth of some of that marketing because a lot of it is on channels that we may not spend our time on every day. Um, and I, I do wonder the extent to which that's effective or not. Um, do, would you agree that that's going to be kind of a very important part of this uh, in terms of what we see in the next couple of years? May, before I answer that, may I go back to your uh, your, re, your reset uh, comments for a minute? Sure, yeah, okay? absolutely. Please. So I agree with you. I think that at some point in time, there probably is a level to which carbonated soft drinks will decline, and, and it will probably reach some kind of equilibrium there. But why, if, if volume is down 25% in the last 20 years, what, why do you think that maybe that reset level has been reached now? Why do you think that it won't go to, from a 25% decline over the last 20 years to a 35% decline over the next 10 years? In other words, 
what 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 signs are you looking for, Dwayne? That 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 reset level has been reached. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, uh, during the COVID years, people moved back into carbonated soft drinks because that was just easy, comforting. I think there has been sort of a, a people have reacquainted themselves with carbonated soft drinks. They love bubbles. We've seen bubbles permeate every beverage category out there. I don't think there's a, a lack of love for uh, effervescence. And so I do think people have kind of reacquainted themselves with these uh, products and they like them and that there is less of a concern now uh you know than there was perhaps a couple of years ago in part because the debates kind of subsided to some degree over things like sweeteners and uh obesity and of course the companies are have addressed that uh there's lots of other options the sweetener systems with uh zero uh zero sugar drinks are much better now so uh, a lot of the uh a lot of the impediments uh, to those products have been lifted for people that are looking for really good taste. Um, and and so I think uh, also the other thing I think is that there was a generation of young people that were raised during this period that carbonated soft drinks were vilified because of obesity, uh, uh, sweeteners, uh, artificial sweeteners, uh, and basically told those things are uh, not good. Uh, they were stigmatized. And I think that generation is kind of moving beyond that now. They're on their own. They're acquainting themselves with this with soft drinks in a way that they weren't allowed to before. And the extent to which they accept those and they accept carbonated drinks, even like energy drinks, um, are, are going to then lead to a, a, a situation where they're not as, they're more permissive than they perhaps were in the past and depends, depending on how well companies like Coca-Cola and PepsiCo and Dr. Pepper can capitalize on that. Uh, and how effective they are at the digital marketing and getting young people to reconsider these products that their parents told them, uh, you know, weren't something that they should be uh, consuming uh, could actually make a difference in terms of, you know, sort of this reset and creating a new stabilization here. Look, I think that, look, I hope you're right. But I look, I look at the, the, this, this uh, third quarter data. Um, Pepsi's beverage data, a North American volume was down 6%. Coke was, Coke's volume, I think overall company-wide was up 2%, but Coke was flat or down in three of five of its global operating units. Uh, I think it was flat in North America. Had they not had a 7% volume increase in, in Latin America, my guess, it, look, it appears to me that their corporate, overall corporate volume would have been down. I think that 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 if if and when we begin to see on a sustained basis in some of these developed markets um, Coke and Pepsi beginning to post volume gains, then I will basically say to myself, Dwayne, you're right, or say to you, Dwayne, you're right. But as long as volume is flat or down for most of this industry uh, in most markets. Um, I, 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 my, my concern will continue. Yeah, makes sense. Um, although, you know, it, it's interesting because when you compare Coke and Pepsi, um, they almost have to individually be sort of considered on their own. I mean, Coca-Cola with zero, um, 
you know, their volume was flat, but their price mix was only up about 5%. Coke, uh, PepsiCo's was up 12%. Uh, they were down 6%, as you noted. Um, they said that about two points of that was them just backing away from promotions on case pack water. So, you know, bring it down to more uh, 4%. Um, that sort of seems in line with that, that, that higher amount of pricing that they're taking in the market. Uh, but again, there, there has to be some accounting for the fact that these declines, I mean, zero volume gain was flat or volume was flat for Coca-Cola despite a 5% increase on top of the increases that have been going on for two years. Something different is happening there. Something is happening in that uh, when it comes to uh, how they're operating in the market, whether it, uh, whether it comes to revenue growth management uh, techniques, uh, what they're doing at retail, uh, how they're marketing, how they're reaching new consumers. Something's happening there, don't you think? Look, look I think that the companies have been smart and strategic about how they've managed the volume declines and the volume performance. They've shift that they've been very smart about using channel mix package mix um, product mix to continue to post revenue growth uh, pricing obviously is not just rate it's it's a it's a factor of different different kinds of mix right my my concern is that it's, it reminds me, going back again to that comment about the Washington Post, profitable and shrinking is a short-term survival strategy but leads eventually to extinction. I think these companies have to figure out a way. Hopefully, it'll be things like the digital marketing you referred to, Dwayne. They have to figure out a way to get consumers consuming more of their product again for them to have... For, for these companies to be viewed as long-term financially healthy and long-term growth companies. Otherwise, they're, what they're doing is they're managing, albeit managing well, a shrinking base. Yeah, you can't price against zero volume <laughs> at the end of the day. Right, exactly. You, you, you know, you know I, remember, I, remember, I remember many years ago, Coke Bother said to me, when I guess I still had Beverage Digest and pricing was, we were talking about pricing, and he said, you know, we're not going to be able to get, I'm, actually, I'm not sure it was a Coke bottle. It was, it was it could have been, it was, it was a bottler. Anyway, he said to me that we're not going to be able to sell a thimble full for a dollar. <laughs> and, you know, there are both Coke and Pepsi and KDB have managed package, package size channels, et cetera, well, but there are limits up against they're going to run it. They're, they're going to hit eventually. Yeah. Today, uh, one of the points that James Quincy made, and he, he made this at one of the analyst conferences recently as well. This was a point they've been really hitting home because obviously, uh, you know, this debate is happening throughout the industry. And, you know, consumers have already been concerned about, you know, what's going to happen here going forward along the lines of, I'm sorry, not consumers, but investors along the lines of what we've been talking about today. Uh, they've been really hammering home the point that, um, that one of the core goals of the company is to protect the size of the consumer franchise and to grow it. So in essence, so so basically what he's saying is we you know revenue growth management isn't 
the end all and be all. We have to continue to grow the number of consumers who are drinking our product. They need to, they need to consume more of it. Uh, more often, and they need, of course, as part of that is pay more for it over time. That's the that's the uh, name of the game here. But it, it's not lost on them either. Uh, it sounds like what you're saying in terms of the risks here uh, that you know you have to continue to get new consumers. And, and and I think a lot of that comes down to what they can do with this next generation of consumers. I mean, that is a real linchpin because, as we know, as consumers get older they tend to drink less carbonated soft drinks and the reason we're talking so much about carbonated soft drinks because it's such a huge part of 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 you know a a business like coca-cola's and it's a the 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 largest you know one of the largest uh categories in the u.s and certainly the most profitable or one of the most profitable um and uh, so they have to continue to recruit new consumers into these brands, and that's what, what you're seeing a lot with these digital efforts. Well, and I think that I, I agree with you totally, and I think each company has a different challenge. I think that Pepsi has to simply, simply has to basically figure out a way, notwithstanding their very good snack business, they have to figure out a way to do a better job in carbonated soft drinks. I think Coke has to figure out how to do a better job in non-carbonated beverages. And, you know, I have no doubt both these companies are managed well. They've got really smart people at the top of the companies and running the operating units. I think they're trying. I think there's a decent chance they will. But they've got big challenges ahead of them. What do you make of this whole discussion about units? Uh, you know, uh, Pepsi had a big discussion, which we wrote about, about, you know, it's all about units, not volume ne- necessarily. Uh, Coca-Cola talks about transactions, which, you know, in essence, it's every time someone comes and purchases, makes a purchase of a, of a skew, whether it be a 12-pack or a 20-ounce, you know, passes that over the scanner, uh, that's a, a transaction. Um you know, what, what do you make of that? And of course, a lot of that has to do with the price mix and your revenue growth management and getting people to pay, in essence, more per ounce for packages that they deem to be more convenient and more valuable to them. Um, that, you know, that's a, obviously a big part of the game here. Yeah, look, I think that I'm not, I'm not saying that volume is the only metric. I think that whether you call it transactions or units, I think if they can basically increase their level of activity with the consumer and the consumer starts buying more not just paying more but buying more of the products that coke and pepsi and kdp sell i think you know i think i think i think we might see the beginning of a long-term healthier business but i think that these companies have to figure out more, as you said, to, a better way, a better way, and they have to make sure they're recruiting young consumers. They have to simply get consumers more engaged with their their big products and brands, buying more of them, whether it's transactions, units, or volume, and not expect that they can keep building revenue long term just with the pricing level. You, you know, I agree with you that this is, we're sort of at, you know what, we've been saying for a year now uh, that the next quarter is going to be really key, uh, and the elasticities keep holding up. I mean, it's been probably a year that people have been uh, uh, waiting for this other shoe to drop, and it, and it still hasn't. I mean, you know, the old saying, what goes up has to come down. Um 
<laughs> right. You know, is is this just? I mean, it, this is so unprecedented that people just really—it's hard to create a model around this because it's happening, you know, for the first time ever, probably that we've seen this sort of environment and these uh, set of factors, uh, and it's kind of blowing up everything we know. But you know, in North America, the third quarter this year, Coke's all-channel uh, business uh, was. Volume was flat, uh, price was up 5%. If you look at Coke's CSD business in the IRI data for full year 2019, its volume was up 0.2%, which is, a, which is pretty close to flat, and its pricing was up 4.1%. So it's getting back now to you know, a, a pattern that looks somewhat like pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and and but, you know but coming uh, off the the, the the period we just had that's actually pretty good right and, and let me tell you something if coke is happy with that business if they're happy with flat volume and pricing up five percent which generates revenues up five percent and they can sustain that great again my concern is that it's going to get harder over the next couple of years mm-hmm. and that they simply have to figure out a way to increase volume at least a little bit. And I'm sure they're working on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, these are real smart people. Um, but I think, you know, I think, Dwayne, when we do this podcast at the end of 2025, we're going to have maybe even the end of 2024 and look at the last couple of quarters of 2024, we're going to have some really good insights about what, the, what this industry is going to look like in the balance of the decade. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's been fascinating to, to watch it unfold here. Um, I think uh, as we close, I, I do think, um, you know, there is this healthy debate to be had here, but the end of the day, uh, 100% agree that they have to continue to get new consumers. And, you know, the CEO of Coca-Cola said it today, uh, you got to grow the franchise. And so the question now is, as the pricing abates, as you've got this pricing increases coming off because you don't have this uh, uh, commodity pressure that you had before, um, as uh, consumers become more stretched than they were before, what will what? can the company do to continue to invest um, in its brands and get more people to come in, into these products? And, and I would imagine that the hope on their side is that all this work they're doing to recruit young consumers, uh, whether it be through the creations or, you know, uh, being much more experimental with uh, brand Coca-Cola, uh, that those are all going to, you know, pay off in new consumers and offset a lot of the, uh, the pain that we've been talking about today in this, you know, coming two-year period. So that's, of course, what we'll we'll be watching very closely. John, thanks again for joining us today. It's been a pleasure uh, to to discuss this with you, and uh, we'll do it again soon. We'll keep watching it. Great pleasure being with you. Talk soon. The Breeze is produced by Beverage Digest. Visit our website to learn more about our products and subscribe to our newsletter. That's www.beverage-digest.com. 